Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank here from Sniper's Hide. Mike is working right now at Mile High Shooting. So if you have a question for him in regard to the products we talk about, people have been asking about linking the products. Most of the stuff we talk about could be found at Mile High. Um, we kind of go all over the place and, and it's it would be a pain in the neck to list everything we talk about. But 99% of the products we're talking about, you can call Mile High up and they probably have them there. So I definitely recommend that part of it instead of writing all this out. But I also want to go and thank some of the guys who are asking questions. Uh, Brian gave thanks. He was talking about episode number nine, the G-curve rant. Uh, one of the things uh, to, uh, what do we got here? Somebody was asking about, oh, Jay Pratt, about reloading. He couldn't find the reloading depot on Sniper's Hide. It's right in the main section of the site. You should be able to find the reloading depot with the reloading data as well as the um, all the all the different information going on. Let me see where it is located here uh, just to give you an idea. Make sure you guys can see it and there's not a permission error. So if you go to the advanced marksmanship unit of the Sniper's Hide Forum, starts with ELR, Beyond a 1,000 Yards, Ballistic Calculator Discussion, Range Report, and Exterior Ballistics, then Sniper's Hide Reloading and Sniper's Hide Reloading Depot. The depot has other people's loads that they found worked out well for them, and what they've done is put their recipe online. Anything going reloading, make sure you guys uh, use caution, work your way up. Uh, don't just assume somebody's doing it right. Although you can, I use the Reloading Depot all the time. Uh, it gets me there quicker. You can trust the information. And nobody's putting anything dangerous out there. So it's something you can look at. Um, then uh, it was fits with the links. Wanted those links to everything. Again, you can go over to Sniper's High Forum and you could talk about that. And speaking of the forum, we just went live last week at the end of the week there with the Sniper's High Team Challenge that's going to happen in Colville, Washington with In Motion Target. We've had the last three Sniper Side matches at uh, Colville, Washington, or at Carl Taylor's place uh, with In Motion Targets, and we're doing it again this year. So that is live. You can go to the uh, Sniper Side website. There's a link. You can go to the In Motion Target website to their shopping cart. That's where you sign up for your registration and purchase your registration. Uh, just an FYI, we do a lot with junior shooters out there. I don't know if you guys realize this. We have whole squads of junior shooters, and then there's the junior shooter guys who have their magazine, and they've highlighted us several years in a row uh, with their magazine. Great opportunity to bring these kids out. And if you have a kid who you want to get into precision rifle shooting, the Sniper's High Team Challenge is a team event. If you go and sign your, your your son or daughter up, and last year I shot it with Mary Beth. She was 10 years old at the time. Um, this year I'm going to be shooting it with Matt's son, who's 11-year-old. You may have seen Matt's son on Facebook shooting. Uh, Doug Glorfield posted a picture with Matt's son. I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me uh, to, to give it to you, but that's going to be my partner this year for the event. I shot last year with a 10-year-old. This year I'm going up and shooting with an 11-year-old. Uh, we're all the same height. It works out great. Um, you know, so that's something. What we're going to do for this event is Friday, we're going to have sort of a training day 
where we're going to bring people around and bring people in and you'll be able to kind of understand how stages are shot. Then on Saturday and half day Sunday, you'll be able to shoot the event. And what you're getting is sort of a free practice day with Friday. Won't be on the actual stages. It won't be on the actual course. It's split up into some different areas. But it's a great opportunity if you're a new shooter or you want to bring up a junior shooter. There is movement. It is a field course. You got to carry your gear and and, and things like that. So consider your, your gear, your loadout equipment. But understand it's zero stress, okay? This is such a non-stress issue. The, the, the prizes are done different. I, I front heavy to the kids first. Then we start handing out stuff to other people. I'm doing things different this year. And I've been hesitant to talk about it. But people, people have seen my rants on the different prize table stuff. On the different, you know, precision rifle how precision rifle matches have evolved. And and it's no secret, I haven't been a big fan of some of these things they're doing. And if you take a section, uh, uh, exception to that criticism, and it's just constructive criticism, because here's the deal, dudes. All right. I give you a solution in there. I'm not just bitching for the point of bitching. Okay. People are like, well, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? I'm getting all, I get these phone calls and emails like you're supposed to be the ambassador, whatever, dude. I'm, I'm. If I'm, if it doesn't apply to you, if you do something, you know, in 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 other way, it's it's whatever. Great. But what I'm gonna do this year is I'm gonna get the sponsors to give. I'm not even gonna say. I'm just saying, if you come in sixth place and you come in thirty sixth place or you come in eighty sixth place, you're gonna have access to the same stuff. I cracked this thing. I, I figured it out. It's easy. It's going to help the sponsor. If you're a sponsor, give me a call. I got a solution for you. The industry's not doing great. And I'll tell you what, I just had a big company drop a, a, a contract because, and, and you, it's in the news, it's Vista. Vista's hurting, right? All these guys, people are telling us the, the industry's down 50 to 60%. Some people are in the 30s and stuff, but you know what I mean. I got a solution for you, man. I got it where I'm not going to take money out of your pocket. I'm going to put a little bit in the shooter's pocket, and I'm going to put a little bit in your pocket. I'm going to split it up together so both of you make out. So it's not going to be where we're looking for prize donations. We'll do prizes for the younger kids, and I got people stepping up for prizes we're going to do some stuff like we did before with the food. And I got Mile High going to do the shirts. And we're going to do all that kind of stuff. But on the big picture, I, I think I solved this issue with having so many events across so many different things where everybody's got their hand out. I'm only going to put my hand out halfway. I'm not going to do the same thing that other people are doing where you give a prize it goes to a sponsored guy who's already has that exact same thing from another product who has their name on his shirt and he sells it on Monday. Not going to happen. I got it worked out. So listen, I have solutions. This isn't just complaints. This isn't this is people reaching out to me. I mean, heck, one guy deleted it, but it's pretty funny. There is a picture of an event and it was a, a, a team, you know, a shooter, and, and I won't say who it is, but 
you can see the stage was a, was an obstacle built and it had a rope and you were supposed to shoot off the rope and they gamed it and beat it. And the guy was asking, is this cheating or gaming? Because he didn't use the obstacle as it was intended. So if I have, you know, two posts and a rope between it and I tell you you're supposed to shoot off the rope and let's say hypothetically I put a tripod behind the rope and shoot off the tripod and not your rope. Am I honoring the spirit of the event? That is the problem people are having. This is perception, guys. You can bitch about Frank, and I know I throw some bad perceptions out there. I'm seeing like I'm I'm always negative with some of this stuff, but you guys bring it out in me. I'll be perfectly honest. If I wasn't getting all these emails, if I wasn't getting these private messages on Facebook, hey, Frank, I just saw this happen at this event. What do you think of this? You know, they're coming to me looking for a solution because you guys aren't providing a solution. I like Jim C's comment the other day. You know, all the real shooters aren't listening to Frank. Nobody cares what he says. (laughs) Guess what, dude? They're calling. They're writing. They're doing all this stuff. I could show you this week how many. There's people who want to stand up events. They're calling me and and they're saying in the email, I don't want to do what they're doing. So if you don't think my stuff's not blowing up, if you don't think this stuff's not being sent to me, guys, don't, you know, oh, we're not listening to them. Yeah, they're not because they're part of the problem, number one. But they are. there are people out there listening hardcore and they're taking note. And that's why when, when I talked to somebody this week, they said, there's a lot of these matches out there aren't filling up. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a change happening. You've kind of plateaued. You know, you didn't go and fill up every single match and grew to more of them. You've added so many more and diluted it. So don't be pretending with me that, you know, no one's listening to Frank. Well, they wouldn't be bitching. They wouldn't be doing memes about me. They wouldn't be talking shit behind my back like they all do if people weren't listening and paying attention. I get it. You guys are all new and up and coming. You've only been playing this game for a few years, but you're the new experts. You know, forget all of our experiences that go back, you know, far and beyond. Uh, One day I'll have to show you my messages, my PMs, my emails, because you're not making as positive an impact as you think you are because you're breaking perceptions. When you got the top guys will go up to a stage And I got the picture. They posted it on Sniper's Hide. They just deleted it, but I still got it. And there's a friggin' thing there, and you circumvent the spirit of the stage or the spirit of the match or the spirit of whatever. People see it. They don't like it. And when you go out and promote it with fancy pics, they take exception to it. Then they get on the phone or on the email, or on the private message, and say, hey, Frank, what do you think? Hey, Frank, how can we do this different? Because we agree with what you're saying. We don't like how you're saying. I get this one all the time. I don't like how you're saying it, but I agree with what you're saying. If you just did it different, you know, maybe it would. Listen, dude, I've spoke to all these guys. I've talked till I'm blue in the face with it. They don't want to take the advice. They want to do it their own way because it feeds into that constant cycle of, you know, my buddies, my buddies, my buddies. Here's the thing. And I'm going to tell you straight up. You guys got no balls. Okay. You guys got no 
balls because you want to go there and don't want to stand out and say, hey, look, that's not doing us any favors, so maybe we should change it. Instead, they go, oh, no, no, we don't want to offend our core little group. Trust me, less than 200 of you are shooting for finales. There's less than 200 of you shooting for finales. It's public. It's online. Take a look at it. Yeah, you may get 100 people at your match, 150 people, but that's a drop in the bucket. If they're shooting one event in the year, that's not, you know, that's kind of a waste of money if you're paying for a series. If you're paying your 100 bucks and you shoot one, it doesn't really do anything. But the people that are shooting for the finale, it's a tiny number because they don't want to go and play that game on that level. So please spare me the... You know, you guys got it all handled. If you did, I'd be out of a friggin' things to say. And instead, every week after a match, I'm getting five, six, eight, ten emails saying, this is what we saw. And if you want to call me on it, I'll show it to you. If you don't believe me. So I just thought it was funny because I... There is that, that you'd be surprised what I see, guys. I'm in front of the computer when I'm here quite a bit, and people aren't scared because it's anonymous in a lot of ways to use me as that sounding board in the spring. I become the de facto complaint department, and you can ignore the complaint department, but that just means the complaints stack up. You know, me kind of being that window into what you're doing or being a mirror reflecting back at you is part of the deal. I'm I'm an influencer, right? So I'm throwing this out there and I'm letting you know. It's like a reporter. I'm reporting the things that tips are giving me. The tipsters are calling the tip hotline, which is me, and they're telling me. So anyway, I'm not going to... That's enough. The team challenge, okay? Colville, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Zero stress, zero drama, great field course, beautiful views, nice little town, the whole thing, we're live, we're ready to go. Sponsors, give me a call. I'm not going to take any money out of your pocket. If you want to give a prize or you got something to go up, but I got a better idea for you. I think you're going to like it better when you hear it. Email me on uh, fgalley at snipershide, F-G-A-L-L-I at Sniper's Hide. If that's too hard, low light at Sniper's Hide works too. And I will solve this problem, how you can sponsor without turning your pockets inside out, without seeing your product for sale on Monday. And it's going to work in everybody's favor from the shooter standpoint to the sponsor standpoint. Nut cracked. So anyway, enough of that rant. That, that was this one. Um, Another question came up too. I'm going to go over some of these. Steve, Steve asked me about rainy days. When you're out in a match or you're out shooting and it downpours. I've had this happen a lot. Uh, I, God, every time you go to core, right? Core down in Florida, it torrential downpours down there. I've been soaked more times than I'm than not. Um, I've had to stick at Tac Pro years ago. Um, mud, all those things. Ah, mud, right? garden hose in my rifle i literally took a garden hose at alice's alice who works for ai when she used to live in texas ran tac pro with her husband ex-husband anyway shoved her garden hose in my chamber and in my rifle and hose down my rifle after an event was so bad so what do you do 
when you when when you're done with this. You gotta take it apart and clean it, dude. You gotta take the action screws out, you gotta break it down, you gotta wipe it all down, you gotta clean it, you gotta make sure you don't have that moisture underneath. I actually that same rifle, I yanked it apart, and there's a little spot that has a little bit of rust in the um magwell area where the action isn't coated and there's you know kind of rubs and stuff. And yeah, there was a little bit of rust forming there. So that rifle's been taken apart, cleaned up, take it out because that can happen. Cerakote's going to protect, right? Cerakote's our friend. Cerakote's ceramic. Cerakote keeps all that away. But you're going to have to clean it like normal, bore, the whole thing. A good way to do some of this without getting crazy, and we had talked about this in the past, is that 97% alcohol. Because for like uh, your, your, your bores and stuff like that, it evaporates. It's a good way to clean out chemicals, clean out issues, and clean out stuff without really kind of removing the good copper or something like that. If, say, it, it rains on Saturday and you still got to shoot on uh, Sunday, well, you may not want to rip your rifle all apart. Although, if you pay for a better rifle and some things, it should go back together and get you really, really, really close to where you started. But if you wanted to do something without getting crazy... You can run a couple patches through, do some 97, wipe down what you can see and what, what without taking it apart. But just know, Steve, you're going to have to take it all apart. Make sure you know your torque settings and all stuff like that. Clean it, wipe it down. Especially a lot of these chassis got little nooks and crannies and multiple levels where the water can get between. So you're going to want to uh, fix that by wiping it all down. And then normal cleaning, normal stuff, put it away, and you're all golden. So, Steve, thanks for the rainy day question. Um, I, I hope that helps. Uh, again, we did have the reloading stuff, and I know Mike has talked with Adam and everything. I want to get those guys before I jump into the whole reloading. We got so much we could touch on. I mean, if you look at the front of the rifle to the back, top of the scope, bottom of the magazine, we could talk about... Um, Another question that came in on the Sniper Side Forum in the Everyday Sniper section was about density altitude versus using the raw data, the actual information. Now, there's a great thread on it. Guys put information. So if you go to the Everyday Sniper section of the Sniper Side Forum, you can really get into the details. So Fitz asking about links. Here's a link for you, dude. Go to Sniper Side Forum. Everyday Sniper, look up DA versus station pressure. And so they're asking about which one I use. Now, if I have the, the app right in front of me and the ability, I tend to not use density altitude with apps. To me, I only use, den I record it, don't get me, I always write my density altitude down. I use the raw data. And one of the questions that comes up is station versus barometric. Station for me, because we're, we're right here, and matter of fact, I got a Kestrel right here in front of me and I'll pull it up. Um, station is is your factory load. Or, re, you know, you open the, um, yeah, blah, 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 okay. So you, you open your Kestrel out of the box, you put your batteries in, you turn it on. You don't change anything. Don't change your reference altitude. Don't change your reference barometric pressure. Leave those at zero in 2992. 2992 is sea level, right? I live in Colorado, 5,000 feet above, so you're going to subtract five from 29. So my station pressure I would put in my software would be in it, it, it. There's an offset for elevation, but it's 2489. 
is where it ends up being. 2489, because our elevation, our altitude, is a factor of station pressure for us. Barometric pressure is what the, the weatherman says on TV. So if I'm in New York on vacation, like I would go to New York for vacation, but anyway, you get it. So I'm in New York on vacation and the weatherman says today's going to be 65 degrees, barometric pressure is 29.92, our humidity is 50%. Well, if I get home and I watch my news here in Denver, the guy's going to say temperature today is going to be 65, barometric pressure is 29.92. However, our elevation, our altitude is 5,000 feet, 5,280, right? He's assuming you know 5280. In software, what they do is they give you that checkbox. When you don't use the altitude, you hit pressure is absolute or station pressure. That grays out the altitude. Because if we use 2489 and 5,000 feet in my software, then the software thinks I'm at 10,000 feet above sea level. Where if I'm at sea level, then I just use my regular data. So I like to use my real information for software. I use density altitude for field in my charts, okay? When I'm not using electronics, I'm using density altitude. Density altitude is a combination of barometric pressure, temperature, and humidity. And you got to put all that stuff together to give it to you. Now, here's the thing with DA. You can round DA to the nearest 1,000 feet. Okay, you don't, and especially with a Kestrel, because a Kestrel is a pressure meter and not a GPS. So the altitude, the density altitude, and the altitude number fluctuates, right? It moves. You don't care about that. All we're rounding it is either up or down to the near thousands. Now, I've taken it to rounding it to the near 500 when I'm writing it down, because that's telling me where I'm going to be if I'm if I'm going up. So if I'm at Say my density altitude today is 6,700. I'm going to write that down as 6,700 and I round it to that nearest hundredth. So I know in my, you know, I'm going to use 7,000 feet. Read 6,700, I use 7,000 feet. If it reads 6,200, I use 6,000 feet, right? So that's where density altitude goes. So those, you know, to the, to the nearest thousand and we're rounding the hundredth. All right, we don't have to worry about those small 50, 75 little fluctuations in there. We just need big round up or big round down. And and that's what I'm doing. Um, and then, like I said, your, your barometric pressure has to have the altitude with it. And that's where your pressure is corrected. So if you're on JBM, there's a little checkbox that says pressure is corrected. Well, that means you're using sea level pressure plus the altitude. If pressure is not corrected, we're using the absolute pressure or station pressure, which is the 2489 variation there because I'm subtracting my elevation from sea level. Got it? Everybody good on that? If you got questions, huge, outstanding responses from the guys on Sniper's Hide. Really good data. You can look it up. They're happy to answer it. Honestly, anything you need clarification on, and I recommend this more than emailing us. Go to Sniper's Hide. Go in the forum. Everyday Sniper Podcast area. Ask the question. We'll answer it. And if I don't answer it, some really smart guys will come in behind me and they'll answer it too. 
I mean, the data has gotten so good. Guys are guys are keyed on, and and they're 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 definitely will will help you, you know, wade through some of these questions that we're talking about. But um, that that was a question that station pressure versus uh, DA, and like I said, in my software. I don't really use DA. I have used it a few times, but I'm not a, as big a fan as it. Uh, well, again, we're getting into reloading, living in a rainy day. So you know, I, I really, really appreciate a, a lot of these guys. And, and, you know, you coming up and asking us questions. Uh, sorry about the road noise with that. I, I, I try cleaning that up so bad. The, um, the, 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 the sound with Mike and I talk, and I thought the data was so good. I mean, we were having such a great conversation, and that that highway is just so damn loud. And the way the the recorders are, the recorders kind of sitting between both Mike and I, so it was picking up all the road noise. And the more I tried to crush the road noise down and put them in the background, it was messing with our voice a bunch. So by leaving the voice up and putting the road noise kind of at that mid level. Hopefully it wasn't too distracting. I listened to it a lot of times. I wrestled with putting it out there for you guys. I, I wasn't a, a fan of the way it was, but I was a huge fan of what Mike was saying, and I wanted you guys to get it. So upfront apologies for the sound of that episode, just the, this past episode, and and I'll work to remedy it. I, I have lav mics. It's a question of putting them into the recorder and then... um trying to filter out some of the sound and get it as close to our mouth and then lower the volumes and it's it's a bit of it's a bit of a technical kind of work and and we can do it but um i just uh like i said i i thought the data was so spot on i i did not want to mess that up and and delete it because once we'll never recreate it you know what i mean we'll never be able to go to you guys and 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 say okay mike what you said yesterday but do it again now today. Take two. It never works out right and we'll miss a key element. So I, I hope you definitely got something out of what Mike had to say, despite the fact that it had that road noise in the background. Like I said, I recommended people listen to it in the car. So maybe the two of them will blend in together, right? So anyway. For you guys using the um Facebook side of stuff, uh, Mike's been answering a lot of your questions. I see on the Podbean app, there's a bunch of questions, like some Thunder Beast questions on different sizes. Yeah, the um the length of the suppressor matters. It's volume, right? Volume dictates a lot of the sound. When you when you put more volume in a can because it's a bigger can, it's going to sound different uh, versus the small ones. Um, the small ones, there, there's different reasons why you would go to a small one. You may not need that as much suppress, you know, sound suppression. But you want some, and then it works like a really good muzzle brake too. So Mike's been asking, uh, answering guys, asking questions about Thunderbeast suppressors and size because you got a five inch, a seven inch, a nine inch to choose from. I generally recommend the nine inch if you're gonna swap it over to something Magnumish, thirty cal Magnum style. Um, the sevens are universal for everything. And then if you don't want to go as long, if you got a little longer barrel and you want to go shorter and you just want something to knock that down a bit, the five inch, I'm actually going to be uh, talking to them about a five inch. And, and so, um, you know, things like that. But let me look at the Podbean app. 
Uh, somebody talking Mark 12. Uh, Mark 12's rock. I love my Mark 12. I'm going to break that guy out and play with it some more again and do a video on the Mark 12. Uh, Gary Larson talking about OSS suppressors. Yep. Um, really good stuff there. Uh, Junior Johnson, 400. Hey, is that like the NASCAR guy? Junior Johnson went in the 400. Um, he's, uh, he's from uh, Iowa, I guess, and he's going to do something. So thanks, Junior Johnson. Gary again. Gary Larson's all on this, man. Gary's a great guy. Does Guardian. Guardian long range. Fantastic matches. I mean, he, he Gary's Gary's attitude. I guess attitude is a way to do that. But no, Gary's personality. That's a better word. Not attitude. I'm attitude. Gary's not. Gary's personality is infectious. Gary is just such a fantastic guy. He's hosting Guardians all around the country. Um, I'm probably going to go to the Tennessee. I put it on my calendar. I think it's August. Um, he sent me a link to it. Uh, I got to look um, again when he sent that link. But uh, Gary does Guardian long-range competitions. Uh, there's a huge uh, sort of charity component with it, and uh, Gary does a lot with his church. And I'm not going to go into his. He tells his stories better than I would tell his stories, and I don't want a, like a, a, a Frank Bent to come on it. But... The, the story behind Gary, the story behind Guardian, what he does, it's definitely a worthwhile situation to support. Um, Gary, like I said, his personality is infectious. You just love him. I mean, when you meet him for the first minute, he's like he's been your best friend from grade school. You know, so think of like your entire school years growing up with Gary, not seeing him for 10 years and then seeing him again. That's how it, it how he is the very first time you meet him. So thank you, Gary, for constantly uh, coming on and, and talking about that. I see a lot of people talking about the wind danger space. I'm going to put together another wind lesson for you guys to talk about that error budget and the wind budget and how to convert your holds into miles per hour. It, it's not that hard. When you look at um, the, the hard copy of wind holds, like I've done charts and they're out there. Where you got the miles per hour, the range, and then the the hold for your rifle. You'll see patterns appear. And then you can start to say, well, that's a five mile an hour wind in the different holds. Plus, some of those guys are using the tremors. And what they're trying to do is overlap the, the, the number for the tremor. And I understand when you do different calibers, that miles per hour for the tremor will change. So what some of them are doing, instead of it being a four mile an hour dot, They'll say with my six BR and shooting this and shooting that, that's an eight mile an hour dot, you know, so they're doing things like that. And that's where they're starting to figure out where their error budget is uh, a mill hold halfway between that. Then they'll say, well, I know I have a five mile an hour error. And, and going back to that wind, we talked about this and I might've spoke over it pretty quick when we we're talking about the error budget, but uh, AA Ron there. Um, he goes in, and he was saying how he looks at the size of the target, right? Flash mill up. You, okay. There's my target. As soon as you come up to identify it, it's a flash mill. Okay. It's 0.5 wide. Then you start thinking about that 0.5. What does that 0.5 mean in terms of your wind call, in terms of your different, uh, you know, the different ways you're going to make corrections and where your error, your wind budget or your error budget falls, so it's something we could talk about into more um, stuff. Uh, another guy asking about um, ringside fighter. 
Woohoo! All right. He's asking about the weather flow meters. Yeah, man, they work. Um, you know, the ballistic arc or the geoballistics, whatever they call that, and they have that weather flow meter. That's the Bluetooth meter for 70 bucks versus getting a Kestrel. Yeah, you could do that. There, there's different things out there that you can get for little money that will actually feed your phone, and you can pick up all this data off your phone and use your phone like a Kestrel with an external component that's giving you your data. Um, and, and that somebody had asked me about the ultrasonic wind stuff that I'm going to be playing with here. That does very much the same thing. I see a bunch of guys are doing their math homework trying to figure out the math that I didn't do. Oh, that's pretty funny. The, about 24 feet over, right, over the line of sight is, is what we were looking at. So, or no, it was 24 feet off the target in the wind, right? We, we, the question, I couldn't even remember what I, what we asked in the wind. I'm such a space case on sometimes, but, um, what it was is precision rifle, 30 mile an hour wind. Mike was holding 24 feet off the target to hit the target. That's what your wind call is doing. When your wind and your elevation invert, we're and not over the line of sight by 24 feet, meaning our max sword wasn't going up 24 feet. Our left or right was 24 feet to the side of the target, and the wind then blew it 24 feet into the target. So that's that's that math homework we were looking at. I know it was like 23 and change, rounded to 24. Well, we got to exaggerate a little bit. I'm going to be hyperbolic. Hyperbolic, Frank. Rawr. So anyway, uh. That is where we're at with a lot of answering and following up the questions. This week on Thursday, everybody's going to start coming in for our Mile High uh, training group classes. That starts on Friday. Weather's going to be great. We dodged a bullet, although tip to the wise of the guys coming, if you're listening, the wind is going to be crazy. Uh, we're going to go up from 24 down to 12, roughly, uh, our our. The snow turned out to be this weekend. We just got the snow Sunday night. That was supposed to be on Friday. So right now we're looking good. The snow and the wind and the rain is holding off until Monday. So when you guys, if you're flying out home on Monday, you'll end up getting the weather then. But the class weather is looking fantastic. As we spoke about, May's over full. Uh, August is filled up. I think there's only like three or four slots left for August. So if you want to get into our August class, well, there's that. We did talk about, um, I'm going to go into, I got some questions from Eric and stuff. Guys wanted me to talk ELR. I'm going to talk ELR at length and I may do it before this class comes Thursday, but I'm going to talk ELR with you guys. You guys know I'm pretty deep, both feet in with the ELR stuff. I've been to all the events. I've, I've RO'd the world record event. So we're, we're going to talk about that and, and go into detail. Uh, I got some really great feedback from Eric uh, telling me about the uh, Pacific Northwest ELR event and some of the problems they saw. And, and like I said, you guys stop conflating the fact that if I'm talking about an issue that it's one, it's like, Guys are saying, hey, this broke, that broke, this broke. They're not doing that with me to be negative. They're doing that with me so I'll talk about it and you'll learn from other people's mistakes. It's all this kind of jump to negative. Some of you guys are acting like snowflakes. I just got to swear. But Eric, thanks for that tip. Thanks for that information. I am going to do a full-blown ELR stuff. Um, So that that's going to happen. And 
I was asked about doing an ELR event for Mile High so for the training group. So I'm looking at booking between the August and October classes an ELR class at our range. I, I spoke about this a lot. Target, uh, you know, s- steal every 100 yards to a mile. We can back up to two miles on our range. So we can move the line back. And we're going to do a similar event like I did years ago. Training. Train, we'll do a day of training and then a day of sort of competition. So it, we're going to basically true everything, learn everything, and then put it into practice and allow you guys to do a two-day ELR event. I may do three, three to two days. So give me some feedback uh, either on the website or on the Facebook Everyday Sniper page. Let me know what you'd like to see for an ELR event. Uh, I held several in the past out here in Colorado when we had access to the other range. This range ha- is is a little different, but it's similar. So we had really great results with the uh, other ELR event, so I'm going to repeat it. So if you want to get into that, throw us a line in, in, in things like that. So uh, ELR is coming up. What else? I don't know. But that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna be doing. We're we're gonna be um, adding some classes in because the only thing left is, like I said, four slots for August, and then we'll have the ten to twelve in October. But that's not even turned on yet when we do October. So I want to make sure I throw an ELR event for you guys here. You know, shooting a mile with mile high kind of thing. Alrighty. Well, I hope this sounds better than the road trip, and I apologize for that. I I spent all day Saturday and I kept the original file and I copied it and brought it in, crushed it all up, tried to fix it, deleted it, did it again, deleted it. It was, it was four times until I settled on what you guys got for episode 33. I hope the data worked for you. I hoped you got something out of it and, um, you know, that, that it works. And I'm hoping I'm answering your guys questions and, and giving back, man. Like I said, some of these haters out there and, and the people and, and, and they, that want to take the pot shots, what's who's giving back and who's doing what versus these guys that are, you know, doing for themselves? Yeah, there's some, and you know, giving a rear bag or throwing a thing out here and everything. It, it, that's been done to death, you know. Oh, so-and-so won a match and got a, gave a certificate away. Yeah, we've seen it. It's always been done that way. You know, it goes back to... Well, you know, Jacob down there, I saw him do it with a 300 Win Mag custom tricked out gun, handed it, took it off the table, and handed it to like a last place guy with a, with a piece of... Yeah, I get it. There's a lot of nice people out there. The people are good. The groups are greedy. Okay? That's my thing. I get that there are individual acts of kindness. I get that there are interval, inter, yeah, individual acts of to be appreciated, to be looked at. I don't take anything away from a guy who walks outside of his his bubble and does something nice for a new or up-and-coming shooter. That's what we should be doing it. I don't bring attention to it because that's what we should be doing automatically. We need to be protecting our thing. If you think I'm dividing us, I'm only dividing you guys. I'm only dividing the critics because they're the ones that are are there just with no answers, saying what we're doing is great. You know, don't look at the ugly, only look at the good. Well, guess what, guys? 
I'm looking at both sides of things. And, and when something good is done, we take from that. When something's bad is done, we should learn from it. Okay? Don't take my attitude as being something that's completely nothing but criticism. I've given you more constructive criticism. I've talked till I'm blue in the face. The fact that people don't follow it up or don't do it at all, in 99% of it is because you're too damn lazy. It, that's the thing. Get out there and hustle, man. I'm out there hustling. You know what I'm doing? I'm hustling. I'm here doing this. I'm here doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do all these different things, bring in new shooters. Like I said, sign up for the Sniper Side Team Challenge. If you're under 17 years old, when you put your date of birth in there, you get 50% off. Hello? You don't even have to do anything different. You don't have to ask. You don't have to go anything. Just say, I'm under 17. I'm going to shoot your match. Guess what? Guys, 50% off. Put your money where your mouth is. I am. So, boom. That's Frank's rants. <laughs> anyway, I'm only doing it, man, to make it better. If I didn't, if this was so good and we didn't have any criticism, how are we going to make it better? That's all I want out of this. I want new guys to come in and feel welcome, right? I want established guys to be challenged with real skills. You know, I want the stages and the things to be fun, to bring them back. If you want your event to do well, make a good event. Okay, if, if you do these contrived bullshit stages one after the other, only the gamers are going to play it. And because the new people who don't understand it are going to see guys gaming it. But if you give them field courses, if you give them skill sets that translate, then they get it. Then they'll go, you know what? That's a skill set. That's something I want to do. Versus, you know, buying a $400 rail, clipping in some wedges, Dropping it on a, on a barricade and locking it in that way and then turning around and not even putting your shoulder into the rifle and pressing the trigger from the side. Well, why don't we just friggin' create a plunger activated trigger, you know, so we don't touch the rifle. We jam it into a barricade, jam it into a tripod, aim it at the target, lock it down and plunger it. Yeah, that's not it, man. This is tactical precision rifle. This is supposed to be practical. This is supposed to be field. This is supposed to be something that translates to whether you're in the military, law enforcement, civilian, hunting, whatever. It's all supposed to translate across the board. If it only works in the game you're playing, then you're only playing a game. And I get it. You can kind of find things to jam it into a log and a wedge stuff. But you're giving people a hardware solution for something where they can have a practical, you know, marksmanship application solution to. Instead, it's going for the buy this or, hey, I thought of this. I got a, my buddy with a CNC. He made me this and now I'm going to sell it to you for 400 bucks. Well, we could buy stuff all day. Why don't we just go shoot F-Class, right? We can buy our way into an F-Class deal super easy. What we'll do is we'll go get a tricked-out F-Class rifle. We'll get a tricked-out $1,000-plus front rest with seven positions. We'll get a tricked-out rear bag. We'll sprinkle our baby powder there, and I'll create a plunger for the damn thing, and I'll press the, the trigger with a plunger, you know, because the, the, the front rest and rear bag are going to do all the work. I don't even have to touch the damn rifle, you know. That's all I'm saying, man. That's it. If, if it hurts your feelings, look in the mirror. Grow a pair, 
and think about it a little bit outside of yourself. It's not about you unless you've been guilty of doing something wrong. You know, if you're one of the guys that was banned or blackballed or blacklisted and can't shoot an event or told, hey, don't do us a favor and don't come or you're done for this or you're losing points, well, then, then you're the problem, right? We're just pointing it out. Like, you're supposed to be the better guy out there. You're supposed to be the example for people. And if you're taking shortcuts or doing things, well, then you're no longer the example. That's my point. So I don't mean to rant like that. I wasn't in the mood to rant today, but it got me. What am I going to say? That's me. It happens. You know, maybe, you know what I feel like? I feel like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. I'm totally like Luke Skywalker, man. Shit, it was like, hey, man, I got an idea. We had a bad apple. And there was only one bad apple, right? It was friggin' uh, Solo's kid, Ben. He was the bad apple. Ruined it for everybody. That's all it takes, man. One bad apple, no more Jedi. You know, cause you, didn't, you didn't see Obi-Wan say, up, oh, throw this whole thing away. We, we created Darth Vader. Up, oh, you know, can't have Jedi no more because Darth Vader showed up. Ah, they did some stuff. They tried to do things right. You know, they had a little of this and a little of that. Yeah, they did split up. But, they, you know, Luke had a bad experience trying to fill the shoes of Obi-Wan, and he walked away from it all. I'm saying don't take that bad experience and let it ruin it for everybody. Let's take the bad experience and learn from it and move on to the next level, okay? How to fix that problem. How do we not create the Kylo Ren's and how do we create the Luke Skywalkers of the world? You know what I mean? That's what I want. I'd rather go to a match with 100 Luke Skywalkers than to have 90 Luke Skywalkers and 10 Darth Vaders. You know what I mean? That's all we're talking about, guys. If it hurts your feelings, man, if Frank's the horrible hobbit in, 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 in you know, giving you that gee will, you know, that's all. So I got the Jedi Scrolls, man. They're back over here behind me, and, and we're going to keep putting them out regardless of what they say. You know, I'm not going to go hide in a cave. I'm going to be out front and center. I'm 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 gonna take over all these mediums like this from the radio to the internet and out in the field and on the range and I'm doing that all the time and we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you guys see it. We wanna we wanna prove it. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy it. I appreciate it. Give Mike a call over at Mile High. He says everybody's been calling him. 303-255-9999. Um definitely oh God, I got to mention this. I went in there the other day, left-hand gain twist barrels in stock. I'm there. I was talking, I was talking about the experience I had with that Seek Attack A1, okay? And so I'm talking to Logan and Fritz and all those guys, the, the gunsmiths in the back, because, you know, they did the other Tika, the seven-twist Tika we were talking about. And so I was talking about this one. So I said, yeah, this muzzle velocity was too low. I wasn't a fan. I think I'm going to change it out. And I looked in the rack and there was, they were getting a little light on some of them. And I'm like, hey, what proofs do you have? Because I was thinking that this Teak Attack A1 would look really good with a proof barrel. So I'm like, what twist you guys got in stock with a proof? And they had some eights and everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll do that. Then the shipping kid comes over and he's like, hey, Logan, a shipment of Bartland barrels comes in. And I find out there's left-hand gain twist in stock. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I go over. I got a Sendoro Contour left-hand gain twist. I'm going to do 22 inches 
because it's a, it's an eight and change to a seven and change. I would rather an eight to seven, but it's an eight and a three quarter, or it's eight and something to like seven and three quarter, which will work because it'll work with the lighter bullets that I was talking about shooting as well. That's one of the benefits with the gain twist, right? Is you get a greater variety of bullet weights with good results because it's it's kind of keeping them in the middle. And then I left hand gain twist, so I'm going to the left again. I'm actually going to do the experiment because I have the other 260 barrel that's left hand gain twist as well. Um, I'm going to go and shoot them because somebody's out blah, 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 on Sniper's Hide the other day about some of the left hand gain twist acting like, you know, we're all just being a bunch of idiots about it. Okay, I, I see merit. He don't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot a normal one and I'm going to try to match up muzzle velocities. And I'm going to do some comparison with that, seeing how I got these gain twists and everything. But I ordered a Sendero left-hand gain twist 6.5. It's going to go on this Teak Attack A1. We're going to finish it to 22 inches. And I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these guys spinning this up and putting it together. So give Mike a call if you want to go stick your name on one. As soon as I saw it, I ran over and stuck my name on it, put it on the shelf with a tape, wrote Frank across it like nine inch letters Frank my barrel so that was what I wanted to say if you want to talk to Mike about this stuff they just got a new shipment of Bartland barrels they got a ton of Bartland barrels there oh they got proofs Bartlands they got a bunch of them but the, the the Smiths are great to spin everything up looking forward to it well thank you for listening this has been Frank from Sniper's Hide head over to the forum give me a talk on the forum uh like I said I'm not uh, if you if you tag me on Facebook, I'll come over and answer you. But if you don't tag me, Mike's the guy you're probably talking to on Facebook 90% of the time. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for the questions. Thank you be, for being a part of what we're doing here and making it better every time. And and no no worries about any of that stuff. Like I said, um. I'm trying to be as constructive as I am destructive. Let's put it that way, okay? All right, guys, have a good one.